tuned in to the Community Cats podcast. Ready? Let's go. Welcome to the Community Cats podcast. I am your host, Stacey LeBaron. I've been involved helping homeless cats for over 20 years with the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society. The goal of this podcast is to expose you to amazing people who are improving the lives of cats. I hope these interviews will help you learn how you can turn your passion for cats into action. And today we are speaking with Rick Descharmes. While employed in the heavy equipment industry, Rick fused his passion and his professional skills as he became an active volunteer in the animal welfare category. Bringing his business experience to the movement, he came to understand that an effective spay-neuter program was a vital first step, and he became a member of the Mayor's Task Force for Animal Control in Jacksonville and the driving force behind the city's eventual drive to become a no-kill community. His passion and vision came together when he founded First Coast No More Homeless Pets in 2002, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to ending the killing of cats and dogs in Duval County and beyond. Rick grew the organization into a national thought leader in the no-kill movement, a key partner for local shelters across two states, 10,000 square miles service area, and became a life-saving partner of the First Coast community as the area has achieved no-kill status with local partners in the core three-county metro area. While at First Coast, targeted spay-neuter programs were always maintained as a priority, providing 22,000-plus surgeries each year targeted at segments that were at high risk of ending up in shelters. These programs were credited with decreasing shelter admissions more than 50% over the years. In 2013, while at First Coast, Rick was one of three founders of the Target Zero Institute, a program that has helped dozens of communities along in their evolution to higher live release rates. When Rick left First Coast in July of 2019, it was a $10 million a year organization with 165 paid team members, including 20 plus veterinarians operating two large safety net hospitals with a combined 20,000 square feet of hospital space. First Coast also operates other life-saving programs, including a regional pet food bank, shelter, neuter, return programs, and mega adoption events. Rick has now founded RLD Consulting LLC to help organizations anywhere that are working to save more dogs and cats. He specializes in access to veterinary care, spay-neuter clinics, nonprofit startups, along with other topics of importance to animal welfare nonprofit organizations, and he has expertise in feasibility, study, strategic plans, implementation, and sustainability. And Rick is the managing partner of the Community Cat Clinic. Rick, I'd like to welcome you to the show. Oh, thanks so much, Stacy, And thanks for that lengthy introduction there. That took up a lot of our time. Do we have time for questions now? Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Hey, I learn something new every day about you, for sure. Before we dive into some of your background, because I actually do have questions now about your background. I've known you for a couple of years now, and I still am learning something new every day. But first, let me ask you, how did you become passionate about cats? That's a great question. Um, you know, to be honest with you, if you ask most of my friends, they'd say, oh, Rick's a dog person. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but the fact is that cats have a special place in my heart. and. Really, what I realized in Jacksonville was we were making amazing progress saving the dogs in the shelters. And, you know, this is in the early years, 2000, 2002, three, And then the dog numbers were decreasing as far as intake, as far as euthanasia. 
the cat numbers weren't doing so good. And, you know, you'd still walk through the shelters and they would have, you know, what they called the feral cat room. And it would just be plugged full of these cats, you know, three or four to a cage. And they were all sneezing and sick and goop in their eyes. And, you know, it's just so horrible. You would see that. How could you not become emotional about it? So then that time, you know, we really started to focus a lot on TNR programs and trying to help that, you know, decrease the population and the number of cats entering the shelters. And we really weren't seeing a lot of progress until about 2008 when we had the opportunity to sort of pioneer the first return to field program in the country as far as returning all the feral cats to the field. And, you know, I always felt so horrible because I never felt like we were doing enough for the cats. They, They always seemed to get the short end of the stick. But with that program, we were able to turn around the number of cats dying in the shelter just almost immediately. The very first year, we took 5,000 cats out of the shelter that would have been euthanized without a doubt and spayed and neutered them, ear-tipped them, vaccinated them, and returned them to where they come from. And, you know, and that just made me feel so good. And, you know, you know I've always known that cats got the short end of the stick, whether it was in the shelters or in rescue groups or in veterinary clinics. And so I always, you know, try and make sure I at least focus some of my efforts always on cats because they they just, you know, seem to always be left behind often in people's plans. So that's sort of where I'm at now. So starting that first return to field program, did you get pushback on returning cats back out? Many people think, oh, you have to know that there's a caretaker or there's like really intense understanding of where did the cat come from and that kind of thing. Being the first one, did you get any pushback? You know, I was afraid of that. And, you know, and of course, I had my own concerns about it because, you know, we were returning cats to unknown situations. In the past, we were always like, oh, no, you got to have a caregiver. You got to know somebody's taking care of them. But the fact is that these cats were coming into the shelters and they were healthy when they came to the shelter. If they ended up staying in the shelter, it didn't take them long to get sick, but they were healthy when they got there and they had a good body weight and they had a good body, you know, grade, didn't have skin issues. So I didn't have concerns about returning them myself. That solved my concerns. But I was, of course, worried about, you know, the big national organizations or, you know, who were all my friends and what they would think. But, you know, everybody just, you know, I think sort of saw the daylight and realized that if we were going to save cats in this country, we had to come up with some sort of program like this. And, you know, it, it's quickly got gained acceptance nationally. And there's always naysayers there. I mean, like, oh, you know, you're returning those cats to a horrible death. But I've worked in TNR programs where the cats have lived 20 years. So, you know, I, you know, I, I can attest to the fact that, you know, sure, some of them may die young, but all of us, you know, have that chance of dying young, you know. So the fact is that there's a lot of cats out there that have been fixed and returned to field and and have lived a long, happy life. So I'm very proud of all those efforts that the whole national community has undertaken. And I, I don't have any qualms about returning cats to where they come from. I find it interesting that you started out on the Mayor's Task Force for Animal Control. So do I say that you are a political guy? No, no, not at all. It's weird. It's uh. Looking back on that history, I mean, I was a traveling salesman, basically. I traveled the Southeast and was on the road three weeks a month. So I just happened to be in town. You know, that was back in 99. 
So we still used paper newspapers back then. I know some of your listeners probably don't even know what that is, but we used paper newspapers. And I was reading the newspaper one day when one of those weeks I was in town and there was an article about the mayor putting together a task force on animal care and control. And I was like, well, I need to be on that task force because I had studied a lot about animal welfare and about the no-kill movement about spay and neuter, especially, you know, my friends, Peter Marsh and Esther Meckler, I had already connected with and been to several conferences and heard them speak. And so I was really focused on targeted spay and neuter programs. And so I sent a letter off to the mayor saying, I should be on this task force. I'm a taxpayer and I want to see that our funds are invested properly. And I've also done a lot of research on animal welfare and, and, and animal services. And Somehow I got stuck on that task force. And no, I was not a political person. I've always voted, but that's the extent of my my politics. So <laughs> It's interesting because the Merrimack River Feline Rescue Society, which I led for 16 years, you know, was originally founded. It had five founders, but one of them was the president of the Chamber of Commerce. You know, so our first phone number was the Chamber of Commerce's phone number. So there was great support from the business community. And we also had our animal control and we had our board of health represented on the first board of directors. And so I find sometimes when the origin stories of our own journeys or our organizations, it's interesting how we all start out because there's so many layers that we want to have involved in the growth of our TNR programs or our spay neuter clinics or our humane societies and shelters. There's a place for everybody, you know, in this basket of helping cats, for sure. You've been in the nonprofit space, but now you're entering into a new project in the for-profit space. Tell us a bit about this new project that you are involved with. I will. It's very exciting. It's the Community Cat Clinic, and we have three main focuses in our effort with at the Community Cat Clinic, which is a for-profit clinic, which is a new endeavor for me as well, a new concept. That we are focused on providing quality veterinary care at affordable prices to cats and helping people access veterinary care that maybe couldn't afford to access veterinary care otherwise. But our clinic is open to everybody, of course. And the second concept or the second goal is to make sure that we provide a good life-work balance for our team and a quality of life and have a good work environment for them so, you know, not too much stress. There's always stress in life, so we can't do away with all of it. But you know, we don't want people to get up in the morning and hate the idea of going to work. And we want to make sure we give them plenty of time off and take care of them in a variety of ways. So we do that. And then the third thing, of course, is to provide a, a decent return on investment for the owners. And so we're working to achieve all three of those. And our goal is to make this a replicable concepts so that it can be repeated around the country. And, you know, that's sort of where we're going with this. So, you know, helping people access veterinary care is is key to what we're doing. And focusing on cats just seemed like a no-brainer because, you know, once again, we know they get the short end of the stick. And anybody that's taken a cat to a veterinary clinic and sits in the lobby with barking dogs and, you know, and a lot of noise and craziness going on, knows that the cats don't like that. You know, cats don't really like to go to the veterinary clinic anyway. And then when you add in all that stress of dogs and noise and rackets. So, you know, our goal is to, you know, to make this a really nice, peaceful place and have a calming environment for the cats and for the cat owners as well. So 
We like to say that we're a fear-free clinic for the cats, for the cat owners, and for the team members. And where is this first clinic located? So the first clinic is located in Woodstock, Georgia, which is a northern suburb of Atlanta. So we're just north of Atlanta, up 575, if anybody's familiar with that. And the second location is Duluth, Georgia, which is about an hour east of Woodstock, Georgia. It's a northeastern suburb of Atlanta. You talk about affordable care. And then there's another concept I hear bantied about, which is, I think it's called incremental care, or is there a different word? You have worked in the whole access to care sphere a lot longer and more than in depth than I have. So maybe talk in detail about, it's not like low quality. What, what does that all mean when we're talking about this like incremental care concept? You betcha. That's, that's a good question, Stacey. It's, you know, incremental care is a big part of affordable care because the incremental care is coming up with a treatment plan that works not only for the cat in the hospital, but for the pet owner as well, and for the pet owner's purse or pocketbook, because you know, not everybody can afford to just start throwing money at an issue with their cat. And some people can, and some people just you know don't want to, but whatever the case may be, I think that it's, it's important for the veterinary clinic and the veterinarian to work with the client to come up with a treatment plan that works for both the pet and the pet owner. And so that that can involve cost or it may involve trying to make it so there's fewer visits to the veterinary clinic if transportation is an issue for the client or whatever. So it's really working with the client to figure out what is the best treatment plan that works for them as well as makes their pet healthy. And so sometimes that may include skipping some tests or blood work that you know would be nice but the veterinarian pretty much knows what the blood work's going to be and what the prognosis and what the treatment's going to be without the blood work. So it's sometimes it's skipping those and going right to the treatment. And, you know, maybe you have to circle back if the treatment doesn't work and, and pick up that blood work later. But it's really just trying to customize a treatment plan so that it works for everybody involved. So one of my best friends back in the day, Dr. Kelly Farrell, I remember her saying that the Hippocratic Oath shouldn't be do no harm. It should be do something. That's the case is if somebody comes to your clinic and only has $100 to spend, you know, and they've got a sick cat, figure out what you can do to help that cat with the resources available. And that's really incremental care at, at its base is, is to figure out what you can do to help the cat with the resources available. So incremental care is one component of this business model. When I think of a cat-only clinic, I think of a boutique-type clinic. You know, it's usually a one, one-and-a-half veterinarian-type veterinary clinic, and, you know, it's usually pretty small, and they don't do high-volume, high-quality spay-neuter. They don't really deal with community cats. How is this clinic model different? Mark your calendar. It's happening this Saturday. Join us this Saturday to learn the art of Trap New to Return, a powerful way to transform the lives of community cats. Brought to you by Community Cats Podcast and Neighborhood Cats, this session is for anyone who wants to turn their passion for cats into action. Whether you're a seasoned caretaker or just starting out, there's something for everyone to learn. Don't wait. Reserve your spot now at communitycatspodcast.com slash get TNR certified. 
Want an easy grant opportunity for your animal organization? Maddie's Fund is giving away a $3,000 grant each month to one lucky Maddie's Pet Forum member. You'll automatically be entered to win each month when you start a new discussion, reply to a new post, or upload a new library resource. Learn more at forum.maddiesfund.org today. Tomahawk Live Trap exceeds customers' expectations by providing them with the highest quality humane animal control products available. Check out their new Pro Series Gravity Door Trap. They feature a door that sets automatically when you open it. No hook or plate setting needed. Use discount code KEEPITHUMANE for 10% off your order at livetrap.com. Do you need TNR resources to share on demand? We've got you covered. Check out our Everything TNR playlist. Available now on the Community Cats Podcast YouTube channel. This comprehensive playlist includes all of our free webinars presented in partnership with Neighborhood Cats. Topics include tips for trappers and colony caregivers, best practices for targeted TNR, return to field programs, and much more. There's something for everyone who wants to help outdoor cats and kittens. Free to stream anytime. Just visit www.communitycats.com slash TNR dash playlist. Well, and you've got that exactly right, Stacey. Often cat-only clinics are boutiques. They're very high cost. You know, they're sort of like going to a little tea house on the corner and, you know, and then getting your $20 cup of tea or whatever. But this is really, you know, we built a, a large facility for cats only. It's the first one's 4,600 square feet. And I really like to say, and I'm proud to say that it's state of the art. You know, my partner and I did not do anything we needed to do. If it was something that would improve the clinic and improve the outcomes for the patients, then we stepped right up and did it. And I'm so excited about that. We have five exam rooms. We have two veterinarians working every day. So we have one veterinarian in the back doing surgeries. We do high volume spay and neuter, TNR surgeries two days a week. We do pet cat surgeries the rest of the week. We do dental work. We are working on the radio iodine therapy, hyperthyroidism. So we really do a full spectrum of veterinary care here, but we also focus on making our services affordable. So we keep our prices as low as possible, but still, you know, we have to stay in business, obviously. And we have a variety of payment plans available to the clients as well. So, of course, we accept care credit and scratch pay, but then we also do Viridia, you know, for payment plans. And we, you know, do some in-house financing as well as we work with nonprofits to help fund veterinary care as needed for patients. And we always stress to our team that if a client needs something and they really cannot afford it, then let's figure out how to get them what they need. And so... It's, it's just such an amazing concept. And, you know, we love the overall process of being able to, to, you know, to help people no matter, you know, what comes in the door. And the team loves it as well. You know, I feel like we've got a very happy team here that enjoys working here and really feels like they're making a difference in the world. And, you know, I often say, and no offense to our brother clinics that are corporate practices, but I often say that a lot of our team members are refugees from the corporate practices because, you know, often there, they don't have any choice but to turn people away if they can't afford the prices. And here we come up with options for them. All of our, you know, our customer service people and our technicians and our veterinarians are really, you know, experienced in helping to figure out, you know, what the options are available. 
and how we can help that patient and that pet owner no matter what. So that's that's the exciting thing my partner has really enabled us to be able to do at, at this clinic. And it, it makes such a huge difference. In a very short time, we've become a very valued member of the community. The rescue groups in the area, the shelters, the TNR groups, and individuals love us. I mean, we've you know, it's it's so gratifying to see the Google reviews come in and people just, you know, it's just so thrilled because they, they didn't think they were going to be able to help their kitty and they brought it to us and, and we were able to help their kitties. So it makes such a huge difference in the world. So unfortunately, we don't have a video component to this podcast, but we will share pictures, I think, on our show notes page. Tell us in detail, what do you call it? The trap room or there's a room in the back where the trappers can actually leave their cats. So give me all the highlights and the excitement of what a good like trap recovery or feral cat recovery room and drop off room. What does that look like? You betcha. And that's that's one of the exciting parts of the clinic. And I, I sort of saw parts of this practice elsewhere and wanted to duplicate it here. And we were able to. But for those trappers that are known to us, that are high volume trappers that bring us a lot, a lot of cats, they can come around to the back entrance of the clinic. And the back entrance, there's a keypad, and each trapper gets their own code that they can enter into the keypad. And that goes into a secure hallway that allows them to have access to the, the feral cat room, we call it, which is where they can drop off the cats and also they, they can access the restroom. So. I know if you've been out trapping for hours and hours, there's often not anywhere to use the restroom. So I wanted to make sure they had access to that as well. But then they go in and you know we've got shelving in the feral cat room. And then we use the big plastic kennel trays from dog kennels. And then we have PVC pipe cut in half. So the cat, the PVC pipe sits on the dog trays. And that way the cats are up off the tray so that if, you know, any liquids that come from the cat or, and, you know, if they go to the bathroom in the trap, it can just go right through and the cat's not sitting in it overnight. You know, we've worked with the trappers that bring us a lot of cats. We, you know, help them you know, make sure they know how the paperwork needs to be done. They label the traps for us and they're able to leave the cats in that secure room. And that room has its own HVAC system so we can keep the temperature warmer in there than we do in the rest of the clinic because as my good friend, Dr. Julie Levy tells me, cats like it warm. So <laughs> in that to keep them healthy, we don't want their body temperatures to drop because they're having surgery the next day. So, and then of course that, that area is also vented directly outside so that any odors that come from the, from the cats can be vented directly outside. And so the trappers have, have access to that 24 seven if they're out trapping and they get done trapping at 2 a.m., they can just come bring the cats in. They can use the restroom, wash their hands or whatever, and drop off their cats. And then, you know, they can go home and go go to bed because half the time they've got to get to work in the morning. So even the, even the trappers that are keeping the cats overnight at their own place and bring them in in the morning, you know, in the Atlanta area, traffic is horrible during rush hour. Traffic's horrible all the time, but especially during rush hour. And if we want them here at 8 a.m., you know, they, it can be a real struggle for some of the groups, you know, to get here on time because you never know when traffic's going to be really bad. So this allows them to drop the cats off and get them into the room. And so it's really works good for our team as well because the team comes in and, you know, when they get there at 730 or quarter to eight, and they can go in and start getting, you know, getting all the 
drugs pulled and everything for the cats that are already there. So it gives them a head start on their day as well. So it's one feature of the clinic that has really been beneficial and has played out well for, for everybody involved. So I'm so glad that you brought that up because that is an exciting part of the clinic. And I'll make sure that you have some good pictures of it so you can share with, the, with your listeners. So I'm going to go way off topic, you're going to think, but human people go to Mexico to get their dental work done. There's what's called dental destinations. One thing that we've talked about with the community cat clinic, because you have such great equipment and you have this incremental care process is, and you've got the potential for the radio cat and ultrasound, all of this full service veterinary equipment for cats. If somebody was in another part of the country and say they had three cats that needed a full mouth extraction or two cats and a stomatitis or something like that, it might make sense for them to hop in the car and drive down to Woodstock and get all the dentals done there and then drive back, then doing it locally. True? Yeah, absolutely. I could I could definitely see that happening. And we can, you know, we can work with them to schedule the dentals all right, one right after the other. You know, get the cats in and do a checkup on them to make sure everything's you know kosher. If if they send us X-rays or medical records in advance, then we can you know help work that out as well. That helps save some of the time, and we can also help them point them in the right direction for pet friendly hotels. So you know we've got plenty of those around, and more and more hotels are getting to be pet friendly, which is really cool. And yeah, so I can definitely, I think that's definitely in our future is to see more and more people traveling, like you said, not only, you know, for the for the pricing, you know, and the affordability, but also just for the availability. You know, it's often in some clinics, it's, you know, it's quite a wait to get in to get dental work done or to radio iodine therapy treatment done or whatever the case may be. So our goal is to always build, you know, if we need to, we'll just keep increasing our capacity, you know, to make sure that we can get people in. So, and I can definitely foresee a lot of people traveling to get veterinary care in our clinics. And of course, we'll always, you know, make them feel welcome and take care of them really well. So I encourage your listeners, if if they need something, give us a call and see if it makes sense for them to come see us. Yeah. So at this point in time, I mean, I know we're recording several months before this will be released, but at this point in time, so we're talking fall of 2023, if somebody needed a spay-neuter appointment or they needed an appointment, how long is the wait? We can probably get you in within days right now. Yeah. There's very little wait. Pet spay and neuters and for feral cats, spay and neuters. We usually do feral cats, spay and neuters, TNRs on Wednesdays and Thursdays, and we can almost always get you in within a week of that. And with the pet cats, spay and neuters, we can get you in really quick. Same with dentals. You know, we, we have teams on standby, you know, and we've got the team here ready to go, and we can get you in within a few days usually for most stuff. Excellent. Excellent. So, Rick, if folks are interested in finding out more about the Community Cat Clinic, where would they go? Well, we have a website, communitycatclinic.com. They can certainly start there. In fact, by the time this podcast is played, we should have a new website up. So be sure and check that out. They can always feel free to email me directly. And my email address is rickd at communitycatclinic.com. So 
I always love to hear from people and always happy to answer questions or get on the phone or do a Zoom call and just discuss the entire concept of Zoom because we love to talk about what we're doing here. We're excited about it and, and we love it and we love to have people visit too. So somebody wants to come by for a tour, if they're heading south for the winter or north for the summer, feel free to stop, come by Woodstock, Georgia, and I'll give you the grand tour. Excellent. So that is communitycatclinic.com, which is the website to go to. Rick, is there anything else you would like to share with our listeners today? You know, Stacey, I think the one thing I would like to share with everybody is that they can do the same thing in their community. You know, see if there's a problem, see it, solve it. You know, if you see a problem, solve it. You know, and that's always what, you know, what I've tried to do is, you know, don't stand back and throw rocks at people that are trying to make a difference. But if you see a problem, hop in and help make a difference. And, you know, I think that's the biggest, you know, thing I would like to leave your listeners with is that there's always something you can do to help make a difference. So don't be afraid to do that. Even if it's just helping one cat on the street, help that one cat. But if you can come up with a plan to help 10,000 cats, even better and help 10,000 cats because there's no end to the need out there. And anything you can do to make a difference for cats and for the people that love them, you know, can really have a huge impact. So see it, solve it, I would say. Super. Rick, I can't tell you how happy us, the team here at the Community Cats Podcast, we love to be partners with the Community Cat Clinic. And so we are just, we're really thrilled with this model and hopefully it will be successful and we'll continue and we'll do everything on our part to continue to share the information. So thank you so much for agreeing to be a guest on the show. And I know we'll have you on again in the future. Thanks, Stacey. I always enjoy visiting with you on the podcast and I love your entire team. They're so dedicated to the effort. It's, it's They're just a dream to work with. So thanks for having me. And I look forward to joining you anytime you want me. That's it for this week. Please head over to Apple Podcasts and leave a review. We love to hear what you think. And a five-star review really helps others find the show. You can also join the conversation with listeners, cat caretakers, and me on Facebook and Instagram. And don't forget to hit follow or subscribe on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, or wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss a single show. Thanks for listening. And thank you for everything that you do to help create a safe and healthy world for cats.